welcome to this month's edition of Book Blather, Fact, Fiction and Fabulousness. This month we are going to be looking at comics, all things comics, and Miss McLean and I will be reviewing a comic. We'll be reviewing White Bird by R.G. Palacio. We also have an interview with comic book expert, yes I did say expert, Mr. Stone, who's going to talk us about all things comics so we're very excited to have him on board and lastly we are going to have some comic book recommendations from our very own pupils here at St Ninians so can't wait to hear some of those recommendations so get yourself a cup of tea a biscuit enjoy and hopefully you'll find something that you will want to read welcome to this month's edition of book chat title definitely needed please give us any suggestions if you have any better names for book chat but it does what it says in the tin we're chatting about books but this week we're talking about comic books because of our our theme this month which is to celebrate comic month is white bird by rj palacio so this is a book that is part of the wonder series now wonder i'm very very late to the wonder you are you have you been to the wonder party before so i'm very late to the wonder party wonder for those of you who don't know is a book by rj palacio um who and it's it's, it's a great book um, I can't believe that I've left it so late in life to read this book, but it's great. But White Bird is kind of linked to it in some way, and it's a great no, it's a great comic. I really enjoyed it. So yeah. So Miss McLean, if you were to sum up this comic in one sentence, how would you sum it up? What would you say? I find this difficult, like I did last time, because because it ties into Wonder, mm-hmm. and that was all in my head about all those different characters. But I think I would describe it as a new story with familiar characters that highlights the importance of kindness in spite of the risks. Yes, and which I thought did a really good job of connecting the past to yeah. the present. Yeah, I I would fully agree with that. Um, so. For those of you who haven't read Wonder, uh, Wonder is a book about uh, a young person called Augie, and Augie goes to school. Now, Augie has he has a lot of issues in his life, and he hasn't been to school before, and he faces a lot of he has a tough time at school because of the way he looks, and he's treated differently because of the way he looks. But it's all about how he progresses as a character and grows, and how people around him grow too. It's not just about Augie. I quite like seeing that everyone grows. White Bird, on the other hand, is has one of the characters from wonder so a character called julian and it's about a little bit about julian but mostly about his grandmother and it's set during the second world war and julian's grandmother was jewish and had to hide because of what was going on in was she was, was she in the occupied part of france uh, I, I think it was about to be about to be yeah. occupied yes yeah, so it wasn't initially but then i think it I think it is occupied later, but great comic. I would, if I were to sum up in a sentence, I, I yours was much more eloquent, Miss McLean. My, <laughs> I just a story that makes you want to be kinder because I just thought the kindness was really it was lovely. Like it was just, I felt really warm after reading it. It was great. That's so, the key part of it, isn't yes, it? Yes, kindness. Well. Key, uh, that is the key message of of the text. No, I think that's a good way of summing it up. I sometimes yeah. feel that I try and cram everything into the, the line, <laughs> yeah. and sometimes it's about the feeling that you're left with at the end. Yeah, I think it definitely is it's so uplifting, and I feel that it's a book or comic that we should all really read just now because, well, at any time in life, but I think especially just now because with everything that's going on with the pandemic and everything's quite everything's really intense and it's quite hard going and I feel this book just kind of lifts or this uh, comic lifts you up a lot and it certainly lifted me up at the the weekend when I read it it was good (laughs) so title what did you say for the the telling titles what were your thoughts on on the title White Bird I feel like we're carrying on the animal theme yes (laughs) I know I forgot about that (laughs) (laughs) but I, I liked it because I feel like the two things are it's a very simple title but I like mm-hmm. the fact of what it conveys not yep. just the image of the white bird which 
which makes me think of peace. Yeah. Yeah. But also freedom. That's exactly what I thought. Too. And about what those two things might mean. But no, I really like the the mm-hmm. idea that you can bring an awful lot to a title yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, because I think last time we were talking about a book title, The Fox Girl and the White Gazelle, mm-hmm. that was really long. Yeah. And it's nice where just the two words on their own. So I really like that. I, I also thought it was really intriguing. Like when I saw the front cover, I, I didn't really know what it was going to be about. So I quite liked that it was quite vague and that you could just bring your own interpretations to it. I also just like that the white bird features heavily throughout it as well. And it's a really nice symbol in the book. So I thought it was nice that they, tit- they gave, that, gave that book the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to ask you, Miss McLeod, if you had a standout character. Oh, right. Um, oh, <laughs> this was difficult because I, I really liked a lot of characters in this book. One that stood out for me, the one that I found the most kind of touching was Mademoiselle Petitjean. She is a math teacher and the main character, Sarah, doesn't really like maths at all. And she sits and doodles. And the math teacher, instead of like shouting at her and saying, stop doodling, stop doing this and stop doing that, she's always like, she's very kind and always says, your doodles are great, but let's focus on this. So I liked her kind nature, but... She does something that's really heroic and when it happened like I actually had to stop reading for a bit because I just felt so I don't want to give too much away but she is very heroic I think one of her the things she does is one of the ultimate acts of kindness within the text and I think there are many but that one sticks out to me I think it's because I'm a teacher and I could kind of I relate to that in a lot a lot of ways I really liked her what about you what did you who's your standout I think I'm gonna have to choose an obvious one. Uh-huh. Um, so the the character that Sarah befriends. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and names is, are very important in this book as well. So I'm gonna give you the name that she knows him by. Mm-hmm. So his name's Torto mm-hmm. in in the story, and I liked it because his kindness got revealed mm-hmm. all at once, yeah. and as you see, another act of yeah. of heroism. And I just loved how he was with her because uh, Sarah is. She seems quite superficial at the yeah, beginning, yeah. and not someone who thinks a great deal about what's beyond the surface. Yep. Uh, and I really liked how he showed her what could be beyond the surface mm-hmm. and what it might mean to be kind. And again, without giving anything away, yeah. brilliant in the journey that his character goes on is is really touching and heartfelt. Mm-hmm. And you realise why that story has lasted in her yeah. family and yeah. why Julian gets to hear it. I think as well with Torto, uh, you see a lot of parallels with Torto and Augie, so it made me think a lot of wonder there. I think when Julian hears about Torto and how he was treated, I think it well, it may change how he feels about what happened and also his feelings on the future. No spoilers, <laughs> but yeah, I I agree. I, yeah, he's a great character, and yeah, you just feel I, I don't know. I felt so sorry for him, but also just I admired him a lot as well, just because of. His, his courage at all times. He was a great character. He was great. And do you know, that kind of leads me on to, I'm going to skip ahead to the most memorable moment, I think, because my most memorable moment is is tied into Torto, and it's the moment where we find out what his real name is, which mm-hmm. I'm not going to reveal. Yes. But um, <laughs> I just loved that moment because it felt like things were coming together. Mm-hmm. I understood an awful lot more yeah, at yeah. that point, especially for fans of the original mm-hmm. book as well. It's a brilliant, rewarding reading experience. Mm-hmm. I think for me, for me, it's Torto again without giving too much away Turtle stands up for himself at one point and I, but again I like the parallels between that and Wonder there's a, ca- a character that he stands up to who reminds me a lot of someone else from Wonder as well so I like that they kind of linked between they, they, they link together in some way for me there was another memorable moment for me and it actually means I'm going to read a little bit of the text because and we know that I like reading about the text <laughs> so one of the there's a part in the text where Sarah is still living at home with her mother and father. She is separated from her parents at some point, but before they are separated, 
Sarah's trying to understand what's going on and why there's so much hatred towards Jewish people. And she tries to she asks her dad what's going on, and her her father gives a really nice definition of what hatred is. So I thought I could just read a little bit of the text. I'm not going to do a French accent, though. Sorry to disappoint. Oh, <laughs> I know. So I'll read a little bit, but I think this is this for me was one of the standout parts of the text for myself. So. Later that night, Papa knocked on my bedroom door. Sarah, it's late. You should be asleep by now. I know. I'm just finishing drawing this, a drawing I started in school today. Mademoiselle Petitjean says I'm a good art artist. That doesn't surprise me in the least. You have a great gift, Sarah. But now it's time for bed. Good night, Sarah. Wait, Papa. Yes. Why do they hate us, Papa? Why do people hate Jewish people? Not all people, Sarah. You must never think it is all people. Only some people. Bad people. I try try not to think of it in terms of good and bad. I prefer to, prefer to think of it in terms of light and dark. I believe that all people have a light that shines inside of them. This light allows us to see inside uh, people's hearts, to see the beauty there, the love, the sadness, the humanity. Some people, though, have lost this light. They have darkness inside them, so that is all they see in others. Darkness. No beauty, no love. Why do people hate us? Because they cannot see our light nor can they extinguish it. As long as we shine our light, we win. Because that is why they hate us, because they will never take our light from us. Do you understand that, Sarah? Yes, Papa. So that for me was one of my favourite parts. I just thought it was a really lovely description of of what it is, because it's hard to talk about things in terms of good and bad. I think it's so much more kind of nuanced than that. And I really like the way that they described it. And I thought it was really, really nice way. And I feel like I'm probably going to, or I kind of want to get someone to draw this and put it on my wall in class. (laughs) I think it would look really good. But yeah, so that's my favourite bit. Um, so, do you have any wild card things? Anything? Well, my wild card wasn't really one moment. It was more about the fact that the images are so important in getting across the story mm-hmm. as the words are. And I, I think this is a brilliant example of it. It's always true in any graphic yeah. novel or comic. But in this one especially, as you say, with the image of the mm-hmm. white bird going through it, as well as the ideas yeah. coming through the words. So, for me, there wasn't really a wild card entry that I can think yeah. of other than that one. I think the colours are really great as well. Um uh, this is, obviously I'm not a comic expert we should have got Mr Stone to <laughs> come and talk about this but the colours um, I thought they were great um, the lights and the darks and also there's a beautiful part um, where she describes going out to sit in, or going amongst the bluebells and the colours are amazing like they're absolutely beautiful it's a beautiful book to to, to, to read or a comic to read mm-hmm. I don't know who did do you know who did the illustrations though I think it was R.J. Palacio oh really because she, she has I think th- she might have had other people doing the colouring um, right in the, but she did but she the, did the, the sketches because she's an artist as well as a, a writer truly a wild car moment <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that <laughs> but it's fantastic because I believe that she did the sketches in Wonder so she designed the cover oh, for no the way. book of Wonder as well the, the image that's on that. um, the front of lots of the book covers uh, is, was designed by, by her, her as well but I believe this is her first graphic novel. Hopefully more to come. Like I would quite like some more Wonder books as well. I just feel like I'm not quite finished with it yet. I've still got the film to watch too, so I'm quite excited for that. But it'd be great if she could make some make some more as well. Yeah. There's more in that universe. But I love the fact that she jumped back to the past. It's not yeah. as obvious a... Yeah, I didn't expect that at all. Like Even from looking at the front cover, I wasn't 100% sure where it was going to be set, but I didn't think World War Two. I like history too, so I was quite I quite enjoyed the, the historical aspect of it as well. But yeah, I hope she does some some more. I think it'd be really good. I think I don't have. Well, I had a true wild card moment there because <laughs> I didn't know that, that she did the pictures. Sorry, <laughs> but for me, my wild card moment was something unexpected. So, without giving too much away, there, I feel there's definitely a redemption for Julian. That was one thing that I wasn't 
I love Wonder, but one thing that I would have liked a bit more of was to find out a bit more about Julian because Julian is kind of the villain in the story. He's the school bully. But I'm always one to believe that, you know, people don't act a certain way just for no reason. You know, there's not, people aren't bad because they just feel like it or that very seldom happens. There's always something behind it. So I feel like you get a little bit, you see a little bit of redemption for Julian, which I was really happy about because I feel like no character is just purely evil purely like horrible there's always something else and i'm glad to see another side of them too so that's it's, nice. it's not often you get to the end of one book have a little quibble and then get it yeah. sorted in like, the yes. next book that you <laughs> <Victory>. <laughs> i know i know but yeah but thoroughly enjoyed it i definitely feel like i want to read more comics now oh, do you do you read do you read many comics yourself or do you know i was the same as you miss my yeah. i started off in this school having read very few comics yeah, and now I'm a, I'm a complete convert yeah. and i love it when people come and recommend mm-hmm. comics because that's how i discovered white bird yeah. and then i'm able to recommend it to other pupils as well so definitely more now than i used to yeah i feel like i could uh, i'm gonna get into some more i think i think because i just I kind of thought it was just mainly about superheroes, but I think I'm just going to read some more graphic novels and just see what I can find. Welcome to this edition of Reading Role Models. Now, this week we are very, or this month actually, we are very lucky to have our very own Mr Stone here to talk about comics but also books that he loves as well. So, welcome Mr Stone. Thank you so much for having me. This is a very professional operation and thrilled to be here yes yeah just just so you know we have the the podcast equipment so we, we are very professional this time very very professional so i'm glad you confirmed that Thank it's fulfilling you. my fantasy of ever being on a podcast i listen to them all the time mm-hmm. so i never thought in my wildest dreams i could actually be oh, one. we're yes. glad that we could make your dream come yes. true then yes. the theme of this month's podcast is comics and we know that you are a big comic book fan we know that you run or we both run comic club but you are definitely the comic book expert i would say so tell us a bit about comics why do you like comics what is about that you love well i don't know well i've always been really really passionate about comics ever since i was a child and when i was growing up i read them all the time and when i was growing up as well there was a sudden in like surge in popularity for comic books because comic book movies and superhero adaptations were becoming more and more popular it felt like it was it was impossible to avoid them, mm. but there was still a little bit of a perhaps a social stigma about reading comic books. It was considered to be nerdy, mm-hmm. and then of course I would I would reject that label because I was very much far from it. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely no. But when I was growing up, there definitely was a bit of a social stigma of reading comic books. But as time's gone on, and when I was getting older, and by the time I was going to kind of later in school, going to university. And actually, people were really interested in hearing my like. I was writing about comic books, and mm-hmm. I was at a university, and I, I never thought that would even be a thing. And I learned that the scope of comic books is such that there's it's storytelling more than anything, mm-hmm. and that there should be no boundaries as to what could be considered childlike or what should be considered, you know, too commercial. It's like there's it's stories at the end of the day. And I was so when I was at university, and it was actually encouraged that I was talking <laughs> about you know Spider Man, talking about X Men in a very different capacity, not just talking with, with my pals, it was adults who were invested in like, oh, what, what does that mean for society, how do these characters relate to real life? And and uh, it was just really interesting to see how that kind of mm-hmm. developed my own love of comics. And since then I have, other than reading them voraciously, I've also become like, when I was uh, a, a writer more full time, I would write, I was a comics and games editor for a magazine and I was reviewing comics all the time. And I kind of now have a much more broad range of tastes and an awareness of different comics like independent labels and stuff it's been 
it's great. But I, well, I love working. When I'm working in school, I love working with comic books because it's such a visual mm-hmm. medium. There's mm-hmm. something for everyone in yeah. comics. There are characters we can relate to. Mm-hmm. And it's a great way for bringing people together because these stories are universal. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's so brilliant to hear you say that about storytelling because, as you say, that, that is what it is above all. I wonder, you know, you were talking about social stigma. Mm-hmm. One of the things I sometimes come across is people thinking that comics don't count as real reading. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if you'd ever encountered that and what you think about oh, that. Definitely, especially when you think about it. Come back to when I was getting a bit older and I was starting to notice there was real credibility in comic books and graphic novels and people were kind of turn your nose a wee bit because it was wasn't considered as you say to be of literature or something to be respected but I think it's so it's such a an outdated Mm -hmm. and such an archaic way of thinking because it's just we've been reading comic books since you know ancient Egypt (laughs) you know hieroglyphs and you know it's the precedent of having a visual form of storytelling it goes back thousands of years you know and but I completely disagree with anyone who thinks that it's not a, a respectful or not or respectable or not a worthy art form mm-hmm. or sort of form of storytelling mm-hmm. because at the end of the day if you can understand the story if you can engage in the story if you felt something and you followed along with from the beginning middle and end I think it's it's completely valid mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with that as well with the the idea of you know I think stories are supposed to make you feel and books make you feel also but films make you feel too mm-hmm. films are yeah, a form yeah. of stories too and it's no different with comic books if you feel and you engage with a comic mm-hmm. then you know is it really any different from reading a book and, yeah. and other things I have a question right this is actually a question partly for me but also for other people too because I know there'll be lots of people in the same boat so I love Marvel mm-hmm. I enjoy the Marvel films love them all watch the TV shows everything However, I am slightly intimidated by the amount of comics mm. and I don't know where to yes. start. And I know there will be some people listening who may feel the same way too. Mm-hmm. So if you were to recommend a Marvel fan or a DC fan or whatever to start with comics, where would you, what would you recommend to start with? So you're looking with? for kind of the quintessential story? I or would the, say, yeah. yeah I well, would I am, say what's great about the history of Marvel, if you're looking at Marvel and DC will have an equivalent, every major comic book company will, is that they're really good at reprinting like classic mm-hmm. stories. It can feel quite overwhelming, and sometimes I find myself retroactively going backwards and finding stories that I've maybe caught on TV or in film, and then doing my, you know, my due diligence mm-hmm. and going back. Sometimes they do really good collections. Like for example, the the Phoenix Saga is often considered to be one of the biggest in the X Men history kind of canon, and it's really easy to find a collection of that now, because Marvel understands that fans like having all of the stories together and also there's a big commitment of having you having like a weekly subscription to a mm-hmm. comic and not everyone even knows that you can do that in, a, in your, yeah. comic book, your local comic yeah. book shop and if you don't go for a few months it starts to pile up so they, they, they are really good at making collections mm-hmm. of things my go-to's though I think I don't know if it's a jump in the head to when we're talking about my favourite books etc <laughs> but my go-to always does tend to be the X-Men God Loves Man Kills kind of collection it was obviously it was serialised and was released week to week Quite a few years ago, it's by Chris Claremont, who is often touted as like, you know, he spearheaded the golden age of comics, especially for X-Men. And I think X-Men's probably my favourite of all the, the Marvel entities, but that story really captures mm-hmm. the essence of the X-Men, which is they are a metaphor for social issues, social change, because they really represent all the issues of racism and sexism, homophobia, ableism that impacted people in the 60s onwards it kind of the way that they their trajectory went alongside the civil rights movement and i think and it's a very clear metaphor that you know professor x 
represents Martin Luther King and Benito represents Malcolm X and ironically Malcolm X. <laughs> but I think that story in particular resonates really truly with politics today. It's very extreme. But I think for X-Men fans or new X-Men fans, that's the way they need to go to. You'll find as well that that story has been reiterated into different media. I got into comic books largely because when I was growing up on TV, that was when there was a real surge in the cartoons of, say, X-Men, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Iron Man, and all their stories are really faithful to the comic books. And I think there's a it's, there's real merit in kind of going back and seeing where all these the, all the films come from somewhere. All the WandaVision stories, yes. without, it was a vault. I mean, all the nerds assembled online. It was like <laughs> it was Easter egg after Easter egg. I and really I was, yeah. This is why. So WandaVision actually made me want to read more comics because I think we talked mm-hmm. about it, and I was like, you knew so much more about us. I really want to know. To, to a fault. Yeah, to I, a fault. Because yeah. I was watching with someone, and I was like, oh, I know who this is, and I was, or I say, I've got a theory. This, this is, mm-hmm. and it worked out quite nicely. And there were a couple of times I was surprised, and that was great. Mm-hmm. And other times I spoiled it, oh, <laughs> and they're like, you have to stop doing this now. But I, yeah, it's, it. It was great seeing that one on mm-hmm. screen because sometimes they, they kind of take liberties and they maybe cut out some bits that are really good. But with one division, you had the scope to really include all of it. So it's hard to pinpoint like where to start. For X Men, it would definitely be God Loves Man Kills. Uh, Spider Man, I'd go back to the John Romita Senior kind of stuff. But it's 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 overwhelming. I understand. <laughs> but then going to Forbidden Planet, going online and just kind of mm-hmm. seeing what's there. I think there's only the real merit in browsing. Mm-hmm. It was never too late to start a series. That's what mm-hmm. I was thinking. And, catch up in your own way there's a good about comics and it never just kind of picks up exactly where it leaves off Mm -hmm. it always seems to be a continuation so i think it's going in and browsing going to your library and browsing is Mm -hmm. really valid as well absolutely and definitely asking teachers like mr stone (laughs) (laughs) but the amazing thing is i always think we've got so many pupils in school who read Mm -hmm. comics and Mm -hmm. they can make recommendations about where to start Mm -hmm. which i think is a great a great thing to do a real blind spot for me is manga i remember i went i kind of went to a wee vague phase when i was about 12 of manga but it kind of escaped me because I was so kind of consumed by the more like Western comics, and of course in Scotland we've got a wealth of kind of comic literature with like the Beano and the Dandy, and <laughs> really the DC Thompson stuff is amazing. And so that's a real gap in my knowledge the manga, and I know that our pupils are much more savvy, much more adept to those stories that uh, that I don't really know as well. So it's always great kind of getting their perspective mm-hmm. on manga. I know some stories. I know like. Know, adaptations on TV and film that I know fairly well, like, like Sailor Moon, for example. I love the TV show, but I don't know if it has much of a history in manga. And you know, it's great when the pupils kind of catch me up on some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I know, I always think it's a nice community mm-hmm. when you can do something oh, like that yeah. and you can share stories. And, mm-hmm. and just what you did, Miss McLeod, ask Mr. Stone, yes. where do you start? That's the mm-hmm. best way of doing it sometimes. Mm-hmm. We wondered what your earliest reading memory was. Mm. That's a really good question. I, I'm lucky that my, uh, my mum and dad were really keen for us to be readers. So I, my earliest reading memory is reading Letterland, which is a very old now, very old like letter and phonics and sound kind of unit they used to do in primary schools. And my mum was a primary teacher, so she used to bring back the Letterland books and they all had a character, you know, so Annie Apple, Bouncy Ben, Clever Cat, <laughs> and all, all, all the gang. And I, whether or not I could follow along the story, I was, they were visual, they were storybooks and, Mm-hmm. wonder what quarrelsome queen's getting up to today <laughs> is naughty nick going to be there like all that kind of nonsense <laughs> but because she brought them home and i made very clear connections with the characters i knew who they all were their characteristics were and i just remember loving them and drawing them and all that kind of stuff the rodal's revolting rhymes is another oh, one yeah, that i absolutely yeah. adore <laughs> classic it's probably my favorite rodal thing like, i know like mm-hmm. i love matilda and mm-hmm. i love like 
Twits are all great, but my favourite is probably Revolting Rhymes because I loved mm-hmm. it as a child. I used to try and make my own comics as well. I loved like Sonic the Hedgehog. I had a really good comic at the time. Sonic comic. <laughs> and I used to like making my own. I, but I was also, as I kind of touched on earlier, I loved the Beano at the annuals. I used to try and read when I was supposed to get sleep <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But I, it was, I was in the thick of the superhero cartoon boom, whether that was Spider-Man and X-Men even Power Rangers, obsessed with Power Rangers, and I think mm-hmm. the very fantastical element of it really, really appealed to me, and that was, it, it's considered everything. So for me, all those kind of experiences bled into one because I was either drawing the comics or I was acting out the stories that I had written. I used to, this is completely true, my brother made me tell him stories going to bed. Mm-hmm. I am younger than him, just for clarity, that he was asking <laughs> me to read him bedtime stories that I'd have to make up on the spot. Oh, wow. Inspired by like Power Rangers or by Rugrats and all that stuff. I'd have to tell him stories, which is embarrassing for him. <laughs> but great, great compliment for you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> now, from one, from one English teacher to another, I know this is a really tough question. So, what is your favourite book? You monster, I, I knew you were going to ask that. Wes McLean and I have had many conversations about this, and it's really, really hard to pick. I thought that maybe because this is comic book adjacent, I thought we could maybe... I think I talked about God Loves Man Kills by Chris Claremont and Brent Anderson. It's really my go-to when it comes to kind of graphic novels. I'm also saying two names because in comics you always want to credit the writer, it was in this case Chris Claremont, but also the artist. And you always see, in the, unless they did both, you often see in the cover that they have two names. So Brent Anson was the artist for that novel. Um, I learned the hard way as well that there's also a colourist who needs recognition. I learned that very in a very prickly circumstance where I was reviewing a comic and I credited the writer and the artist and I'd left mm. out the colourist and I heard about it on Twitter, that was, oh, uh, no. <laughs> that was not good, I got into big trouble for that. But so I, that's why if I'm saying two names, that's usually why it is. My favourite book, I, I love Batwoman Elegy, which is a graphic novel by Greg Rucka and J.H. Williams, and that was a really uh, impactful graphic novel for me. Batwoman's often a character I think is a bit undervalued or overlooked. It's a really interesting story, it's beautifully illustrated, and it adds a dimension to a character that I don't think gets a lot of kind of recognition otherwise. Um, that's often my, kind of other than the X-Men titles, that's often my go-to. I don't read a lot of DC, but I was really intrigued by Batwoman because I heard it was a really progressive story and I didn't know much about her. When it comes to novels, though, oh, different, different mm-hmm. ballgame. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't know how to choose. It's, like, it's such a difficult decision. Do, like, do you have, like, a top two, three? Oh, I don't know. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Well, you put me on the spot right now. <laughs> yeah, over lockdown, uh, we I ch- challenged myself to read a book every week. Me and my friends, we did a Zoom. It was our kind of structure on a Friday. We do a book club. And the ones that came up, I love. There's one called The Memory Police. There's one I often give as a gift. Oh, it's um, Yoko Ogawa, who's a Japanese writer. And it was published, I think, about 20 plus years after it was published in Japan. And that's one I really, really liked it. It was quite unusual, quite strange. I loved that. It's my favourite book ever. I can't, I can't commit. It's a really, it's a really tough call. I think because you change the person as well. If you'd asked me this question six mm-hmm. months ago, that would be a very different answer yeah. to the one I was giving you. I think I'm a go to for a long time. It's just kids by Patty Smith. That was one I always tend to come back to. If I had to kind of do a top two or three, but there are books that do stick with you, mm-hmm. and other books that you like catching your eye mm-hmm. is no longer my favorite book. <laughs> that's very much a that's a fifteen year old boy's favorite book. 
But you know, I like that you do, you change, and yeah. so your favourite book might change. Mm-hmm. You don't have to stick with something mm-hmm. your whole life. Absolutely. And Miss McLeod says a top two or three, I think, is yeah. okay as an answer as well. Because I also have books I love to teach. I love yes. teaching Animal Farm. Yes. I love teaching Trash. So there's books I always come mm-hmm. back to because I know, like, I just love reading them with, with pupils and I love seeing them, but you know what's coming up next and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And I, there's certain things I love teaching, which is very different to yeah, where, like, in my own personal books, but it's still, like, you know, something that I've connected with. Now, you might have already answered this, but what book do you like to give as a gift? I My sister-in-law is a big reader, and for Christmas we had each other for Secret Santa without realising, and we both gave each other a bundle of books. And one of mine was The Memory Police, which was, again, one of my kind of lockdown reads. She gave, me, she gave me quite a few, actually. She gave me one of... Was it The Handmaid's Tale? Or another one of mm-hmm. yeah, Margaret Abbey, but I can't remember exactly which one. So she gave me quite a few. So I, I tended to get, I was given that quite a lot out. So I gave that as a gift quite a lot last year. I'm counting also recommendations. That's what I'm, yeah, in I this question I'm going to yeah. So often people come up to ask me, like, what would you recommend? As a graphic novel, I always recommend Nimona by Noelle Stevenson. Oh, that's a big hit in the library. Oh, I love that book. I was really, I read it before I came here and then I saw it was on the shelf. And I know pupils who have read I In fact, I read it before... It was on the shelves. I gave it to one people I'm thinking of in particular, and she brought it back. She loved it, and then you brought it in, and then I know it's based on her recommendation. Yeah, so, yeah. so no, I I love that. It's a graphic novel. It's great. I often recommend going back to your one of your previous questions about books that kind of get you into a yeah. character or a series is the Killing Joke by Alan Moore and Brian Boland, and that's that's a kind of background to the Joker. It's kind of the quintessential stories. I think it's the one that made up the the Dark Knight movies. Is the one that kind of the main inspiration for that it's probably one of the best graphic novels ever written it's really really strong i was talking to a pupil yesterday actually who had the novel adaptation Mm -hmm. of it Mm -hmm. which is in the library it's a really fascinating read largely because it's beautifully illustrated and it's really clever but you can't trust the joker he's an unreliable narrator (laughs) (laughs) he's a but you can't trust he keeps telling people his stories this is how i became the joker this is how this happened and you can't really trust any of them because you can't trust him Mm. to tell the truth that you can't trust him to be sincere and it's just and it's he, up until that point, we didn't really know where he came from. He had been in, I think it was, was, I think it was after the first Batman movie came out, which is amazing, mm. where Jack Nicholson was the Joker, and that kind of gave you his own back origin story. And it's kind of some of the, st- the links to that are in the graphic novel, but mm. I think that's my, my go to is if I'm ever buying somebody a graphic novel and they don't know anything, it tends to be The Killing Joke. And it's often one I recommend for people who want to get into comics as well. Oh, that's brilliant. And great having more than one answer as yeah. well mm-hmm. for what you would give for a gift. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, I think we've only got one or two Yeah, it means I can't give you these gifts now because I've already said it. I know, I know. <laughs> I need to get something else. Oh, right. Okay, so what's the last book that made you laugh or cry? And or cry? Whatever you wish. Mm, <laughs> Whatever you wish. That's a tough one. Um, I've, I watch a lot of TV because I often laugh a lot of TV and they're super grim. I don't know if I just naturally kind of See, go towards grim books. But. I keep saying to my poor National Five class, I'm like, sorry guys, we're gonna we're gonna do something happy one day, but mm-hmm. it's gonna be a wee while away. Yeah, yeah. It's a perpetual hope. <laughs> I'll go for a comic book. It's actually a comic strip, and I've never actually seen a physical copy of. I've only ever read it online, and it's called Goodnight Billy Moon by Ian Chachier. I think it's how he's pronounced. It's pronounced in color by Jesse Dewar. It was an online comic. I read it about seven or eight years ago, and it's it imagines the last moments of the real life Christopher Robin, who's obviously the human character in Winnie the Pooh, and it's based on A. Milne's real son. 
he had a very fraught. This is a reimagining of his life in comic form. It's his last moments because in real life they had a very fraught relationship between the two of them. But the comic jumps between his childhood and his last moments. Like he's an old and he's in a hospital bed, and he hallucinates that he's seeing like Pooh Bear and Tigger and all the other characters, mm-hmm. which is quite it's kind of jarring to read. But also it's really really touching. It's a contrast between these images of his like beloved Teddies when they're all new and like you know he's playing with them because mm-hmm. they're all, they're all inspired by this the in real life when he would play with these toys and he'd take them on adventures and A. A. Milne took that and adapted it into this global conglomerate franchise and it became kind of dare I say dehumanised and I think a lot of the tension between the two of them came from the fact that he had taken these stories and ran with it and it's become this machine it really is a machine mm-hmm. and I think that all this tension comes from the fact that this is my childhood and what is my childhood now he asks the question like I don't know what stories are mine anymore and there's something really tragic about that but because I knew that I kind of what kind of question like what kind of book makes you sad question would come up so I refreshed it last night and I just read through it and I even found myself like it, the first time I read it I was sobbing and even last night I was reading it and mm. I got to the last few panels and I could feel it coming and I'm like you know it's coming but you, yeah it's the reason that you know it's coming but yeah, you still feel that way something yeah. about this comic and like it's one of the very few comics that's had to give me such a visceral reaction I don't know what it is I think it's a combination of like it's the loss of innocence mm-hmm. it's family conflict and family relationships are really complicated and, and there's like a fraught tension there's something about it and it's beautifully illustrated and it's really soft and delicate and tragic but something about it every single time I read it so that's to reiterate it's called Good, Good Night Billy Moon by Ian Shashier and that's his it's something about it just really like no other comic has had that impact on me oh, on wow. an emotional level do you know that just makes me want to go and seek yeah, it no, out yes. yeah. 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 even though it's sad that sounds incredible yeah. because I knew that he based it on the toys. I've seen the toys in New York wow, Public yeah. Library uh-huh. because they're, they, that's where they live now. I had never thought what impact that might have had on the real mm-hmm. life Christopher yeah. Robin, so I don't think I'll be able to think of him the same way again. Yeah, he changed it. He went by Billy Moon, so he changed his name. So I don't think he wanted to be associated with the family or the, the family name at least. Mm-hmm. So it's a really, it's a, it's quite a complicated story and it's very simple. It's not a long comic, it's a comic strip, so it's maybe like. 20 pages or something mm. so I managed to achieve quite a lot in a real emotional punch but yeah even last night I could feel myself getting choked up I'm like oh, this is just revision I'm just doing revision <laughs> for this podcast like, but it really is like, very few comics have kind of had that emotional punch because I read comics quite a lot and mm. there's great stories and I remember there's a edition of Amazing Spider-Man like number 27 of whatever year that it would have been 2002 and I can't remember who was writing it at the time maybe Mark Miller Oak of Scotland boasts like yes. preeminent mm-hmm. comic book talent I'll come back to but there's a episode, um, an issue where he deals with 9-11, like, and it's how he and the other superheroes and other super villains kind of handle the, that trauma, which, you know, is not, it's, it's open to criticism that it was approached, but, you know, Spider-Man's so, like, synonymous with New York, how you could not do something, and it's how you handle that. But, um, yeah, it's just as I was saying there, Scotland does boast amazing comic talent. So I'm thinking, like, probably Grant Morrison and Mark Miller, a, a really kind of... Um, I know DC Thompson, of course, and Dundee doing the Beano and the Dandy. Like we have such a rich history, or Willie, a rich history <laughs> of comics and comic book. Yeah, I'm sure there was a there was an exhibition on a couple of years ago at the Kelvin Grove. I think it was for Mark Miller. It was really really good, and I was so surprised at some of the things that he'd done. I was like, I did not know. Yeah, he's probably probably one of our biggest cultural exports. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't, didn't even know about him, but amazing. Yeah, he regenerated. I'd be probably running a long time. I could talk forever. <laughs> um, he regenerated Marvel is the ultimate series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if ever see like Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate X-Men was him. Oh. Like it was his brainchild, and he was the one who spearheaded. He kind of 
changed Marvel's trajectory as a comic book company, not as just an entertainment brand, but as a as a comic book. We we make comics, we tell these stories, and they've used all these stories in the movies. He did the work for Superman, and all that. It's an incredible success. Wow, oh, that's brilliant, and I love hearing about people getting jobs in this industry mm-hmm. as well because I think yes. sometimes you might not realise all the different jobs that there mm-hmm. are so even you Miss McLeod talking about the exhibition that got put yeah, together yeah. or if you're a colourist, an illustrator, a writer mm-hmm. uh, there's so many jobs in in- yeah. around the industry as well mm-hmm. Who's your favourite writer and artist? If not and well, that's so, that's so I just one. stole your question well, You, you <laughs> fired away <laughs> <laughs> just like, gosh. So The tension in the room is palpable you can't <laughs> see this but they're both very angry with uh, That's a tricky question as well I've, I'm separating it by writer and artist just of course, because mm-hmm. I don't want to get dragged on Twitter again. Uh, <laughs> my, I often go to Kelly Sue DeConnick, who is an amazing writer, who's done so many of my favourite titles. She's a really influential writer in the... I think any kind of comic book buff will know her name, and if they don't, they'll definitely know her work. She has really cultivated this amazing career for herself. A great, she's a great platform now. She's like really immersed as one of the industry's finest writers, really funny, really um, culturally switched on. Like She's got a great shorthand for different types of characters she's a lot diverse in her work I just love her she's great Grant Morrison as we've talked about a wee bit uh, kind of he was Mark Miller before Mark Miller was himself if that makes sense Grant Morrison is really um, an amazing Scottish comic book writer I talked a wee bit about Chris Claremont he was again the spearhead of the golden era of comics especially X-Men there's also a guy called Greg Pak who I really really like he's uh, an amazing voice but in terms of artists for me it's Jim Lee who is this American, I think he believes Korean-American artist who is, the, like, if you ever think of, like, 90s X-Men, oh, yeah. it was him. <laughs> he was 90s comics. He was just so, so good. There's a great series on Amazon. It's all about comics. I cannot remember the name of it now, which is really frustrating. But he's he was part of this kind of almost, like, rat pack of artists that were coming up at the same time. And I think they ended up went... They started off in Image Comics, which is a lesser-known independent label, the one that made The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. They were a fledgling image... It's a comic book company kind of formed by artists like him. So he's, to me, the, the best. I just love Jim Lee's work. He's really crisp, really exaggerated. And for me, he really captures the, the over-the-top, extravagant, powerful element of, say, characters like the X-Men, all the superheroes. He's just perfect my favourite artist but yeah it's hard to pick a favourite writer as such thank you so much that's yeah. brilliant I feel like I am not very well grounded in comics so I feel like I've just been taking yes. on a whirlwind <laughs> I know I know I've talked at 80 miles an hour like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've walked away with a lot of recommendations which is the yeah, it's good thing it's been recorded yeah. <laughs> I, I know I don't need to write anything down but I wondered if we could finish because I know that you and Miss McLeod both run the comic club and I wondered yes. if you mm. could maybe tell people who have never been to comic club before what it's all about I think it probably comes in two parts, I'd say. So, Mr Stone, you are probably more well-versed in the reading of comics and recommending of comics. Mm-hmm. Me, not so much. I'd like to draw. So, Mr Stone promotes sort of the, the reading of comics, whereas I'll take on the drawing part. So, if you quite like drawing, and you, or if you fancy learning how to draw cartoons and things like that, you can come along and I can work with you on that. And Mr Stone, what would you... Well, what I like most about Comic Book Club is that they kind of the official remit I'm putting in doing speed parts with my fingers. <laughs> um, has changed the, when I first arrived in Miss McLean and I started the comic book club. It was a couple of people who wanted to mm-hmm. talk about comics, and since then it's evolved and it's a really good chance for folk to come and talk about their interests. Mm-hmm. Some of which lie in comics, some of which lie in cartoons or sci-fi or manga or just drawing or anything. So it started off as comic book club, and since then it's evolved slightly. And sometimes we do quizzes, sometimes mm-hmm. we do 
people could come up and just have a chat and it's been a really nice chance for folk to meet and share interests that they didn't know other people shared. They've had a lot of folk who've met their like their best friends in Comic mm-hmm. Club and they had no idea that like, you know, so and so liked the same manga or so and so didn't they didn't know how to draw and then they kind of taught them. I always come back to Callum in last year's mm-hmm. sixth year who was an amazing artist nice. and initially was just kind of sitting drawing in the corner and then eventually I could notice I was noticing like other kids looking over their shoulder to realise how you could draw Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was quite nice when you see how Comic Book Club has evolved, but in the bare bones of it, it's a place for folk to come together and yeah. talk about their interests. Yeah, I think there's a misconception that it's just about superheroes because we associate mm-hmm. sort of comics with superheroes, but you don't have to just be interested in Marvel or whatever. Like, if, if you're just interested in comics or want to learn about comics yeah. as well, if you, if you want to know a bit more, then please come along. Get used to see people. Yes, everyone is super welcome. And yep. it's, uh, it's, it's usually the, kind of the highlight of our week when we get to kind of oh, just, just chat about all our favourite nerdy stuff it's I also great. as well I have a collection of my favourite drawings from pupils as well so maybe you can add to the collection you know yeah. it, I mm-hmm. laminate them as well yeah I love them mm-hmm. so go up on the wall but yes yeah. you can maybe add to my collection of mm-hmm. art so it'll be brilliant to have it back in the library this yes. year because we didn't get the opportunity to do mm-hmm. it so if you are wanting to come along then it's mm-hmm. Wednesdays at lunchtime yes. you can eat your lunch downstairs and then come along to the library and as Mr Stone and Miss McLeod say it's really relaxed and it's a community so mm-hmm. it would be Absolutely. lovely if you could come and, and join us mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining us hey, today Mr Stone Thank you for having me. This has been excellent. Oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> Nobody ever asked me to do this wax lyrical about comics at, this, at, at such length, so I, I appreciate it. Oh, but we know it was really hard work, but thank I know, you. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. We dropped into Comic Club to ask Iona and Aaron Ness for what manga they recommend. Demon Slayer is a really good one. It's really good for people, for people that like action, like me, and that just want something new to watch. A boy named Kanjiro Kamado leaves to go and sell charcoal or wood towards the village down from the mountain where he lives. But one on his return, he finds out that his family has been attacked by demons. He rushes to them, but finds that his sister is the only one alive so he rushes to find help and a demon slayer comes along and finds out that she really is a demon but they let her go and he becomes a demon slayer to help her become human again there's 20 something mangas but the anime is 26 episodes so far and there's a movie on it as well i would recommend records of ragnarok it is a series that is not really suitable for S1s or 2s because it's quite gory since it is a, a series where a lot of fighting takes place. Find the character designs because they don't look like... The gods actually look a lot like how they would in mythology. Like Thor has red hair like he did in the actual mythos of Norse and his hammer is massive. In my opinion, the character designs are what are the best part of my thinking. Thank you for listening to this month's edition of Book Blether, Fact, Fiction and Fabulousness. We are still looking for a jingle for our podcast. So if you are talented, if you've got some any if you've got any ideas for our jingle, can you please come and let Miss McLeod or Miss McLean know? Because we'd love to have a really catchy jingle for this podcast. Next month we're going well, we're going to be doing a podcast to celebrate Black History Month. So tune in next month and you will hear stories that hopefully you will want to share. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>